You're listening to On Human Rights, where we talk to experts around the world about the latest and most important issues on human rights and humanitarian law. We're broadcasting from the Raoul Wallenberg Institute of Human Rights and Humanitarian Law in Loon, Sweden. My name is Gabriel Stein. Today we have a special episode for you. RWI's Leila Fall recently interviewed Yeonmi Park. She's a 23-year-old human rights activist from North Korea. When she fled that country in 2007, it was just the beginning of a long journey through the Gobi Desert. She faced starvation, threats, and human trafficking. Today, she wants to spread awareness about North Korea's situation, as well as to protect refugees who might have faced similar situations as hers. Enjoy this interview that recently took place in Lund, Sweden. Yomi, thank you for joining us today. You're a human rights activist who fights for North Korean refugee protection. Can you tell us what do you see as the main challenges in your country today? Oh, I think there are many challenges, but if I have to say a few, that one is the awareness of the world. Uh, I guess a lot of people know how horrible the condition is, but it's a joke for a lot of Western medias. You know, it's, it's about politics. It's about the dictator. And by the mean, when I say like, like a no awareness, is that the human lives being treated that way. But not a lot of people think really the suffering of Korean people as the same human beings like us. I mean, if you really view them like us, how can you laugh about it? There's nothing to, nothing is funny about North Korea. It's just so heartbreaking. And I think that is why kept North Korea being this way for 70 years. And the second, obviously, is this in the politically, in the high level, just our world leaders don't act. So I think this is the biggest two main challenges we are facing. Um. How difficult is it to get involved with that problem and have an impact on North Korea from abroad? How difficult it is. I guess it's also, you know, human rights, I, I learned human rights very later in life. I had a short life, but pretty later. Never knew what, what kind of rights I had as a human being. It's all a recent thing for me, but... Apparently, in this world, Kim Kardashian is more famous than any human rights <laughs> activist. It's an irony of the world I learn right now. I guess it's people uh, think it's uh, too cliche and so being distracted, distracted a lot of, of things. So it's very hard to catch people's attention and make them like why this is important. That is the challenge. And... I guess that's... And also the dictator, he hates me, so he might kill me soon. <laughs> I guess that would be the second challenge. Um, you wrote a book, In Order to Leave, A North Korean Girl's Journey to Freedom. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the analogy you make between leaving North Korea and freedom. Uh, the book is really like a full account of how I became a free person today and why I'm fighting today for my people's freedom. 
Uh, I guess it's a just different world that you know. It's a I'm in between the different universe, and I see North Korea, I see the world, and they have no idea of each other. They don't even know they exist at the same time, and it's too parallel, and it's unbelievable to me how they it is possible to world continue this way without disturbed by anything that is happening in North Korea. Um, how did you manage your own security once you fled from North Korea? I don't think I managed it quite well because I fell into human traffickers. My mother was being raped in front of me and I was being sold. My mother was sold. And luckily, we didn't get killed. And we crossed the frozen Gobi Desert by walking to Mongolia. And nurse we survived from me. <laughs> So I guess it's a, a luck and determination, I guess, it went together. Um, did you feel supported by the South Korean population when you arrived there? And do you think that South Korea should work on how the public sees uh, the North Korean population? Unfortunately, I didn't really felt being understood by South Korean community when I arrived there. And honestly, if I was in South Korea, there was no way I could talk about my rape experience because I don't know, you might understand that in that region, still woman is about purity and virginity and that is all about women. They don't see women more than that. And they just define who you are by your experience. Not everyone, but generally. And that deterred me to talk about my experience. And to survive in South Korea, I had to lie. I had to say, like, I never experienced those. I have no idea what those are. And finally, when I came to the West, I know people are super critical of the West sometimes, but I, I, I've been advantaged in the West more than anyone else. And I could just come out and tell the world what I went through. And no one treated me like a trash or everyone embraced me so I'm very grateful for that How important do you think it is for third countries to speak about the North Korean case from a human rights perspective It's, There's no I think a limit how much I can emphasize on that because Sweden especially if I talk about this country sets the path of humanity You are leading what human beings can, you know, achieve in the world. And a lot of countries would like to do that, you know, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, Denmark, all these countries. I think this is like, a, I, I don't think, I don't see the future is dark. I think we are evolving, progressing, but that journey is hard. But I think that's our purpose in, in this life, that we do things that is hard. And because it's right that as our rights, your rights should be respected, of course our neighbors' rights should be respected. And that will, you know, give next generation better future. So I think it's very important. And it's like, I don't think even human rights is a different category. It just... Every life is about 
human being a human, and I think it should not be a separate category for the government to care about. It should be their just like main agenda. Like when they talk about politics, of course human rights should be there, and it should be in every conversation when we when we have in this world now. Mm, how can an average Western individual provide help to the North Korean people? Which is a lot because you guys are free, and not many people are free today. Not many people have this education. Not many people have this platform to speak up. I think big two, three things that we can do as free people in the West: that one, speaking out, tell your friends, go to places, tell people about what's happening in North Korea, and tell people it's not a joke, and tell people, you know, how we can get involved. And the second of how we can get involved is. We, there are a lot of NGOs working on the issue. The NGOs rescuing defectors from China to freedom, and the NGOs getting information inside North Korea through borders or through smuggling. And third, you can write things to your politicians. You write letters to Chinese embassy. You write letters to your own leader in the local government, and to ask them to you gotta have to talk about this in in this politics. And we cannot just act, ignore this Holocaust anymore because we said never again, and we are repeating it again. And I'm sure we will say never again again. And it's heartbreaking how we repeat this again, such a short amount of time after Holocaust, and we have such a short memory, and forgot about it. Um, I have a last question for you. Uh, do you believe in a North and South Korea? Reunion, or do you see the future? Like, how do you see the future for the Korean people as a whole? Honestly, I really don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly what is gonna have you know South Korea reunification. I don't know what's gonna happen with that. But only one thing that I know is things gonna get better in North Korea because things cannot get worse than now. There's no way it's gonna. Get worse than now, so it will become better. Hopefully, people be free, and people have something to eat. That is what I'm fighting for. I'm not fighting for a lot of things. I am fighting for their basic needs. People need to eat to survive, and that's all they needed for now. And hopefully, after that, they have their democracy or those. But let's feed people first. Yomi, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. You were just listening to RWI's Leila Fall, who recently interviewed Yomi Park. On Human Rights is broadcast from the Rao Wallenberg Institute of Human Rights and Humanitarian Law in Lund, Sweden. I'm Gabriel Stein. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll be back soon with more talking to experts around the world about the latest and most important issues on human rights and humanitarian law.